Hi, everybody. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to the Abbott Talks podcast. Over the past few years, the world has come to recognize Abbott as a company dedicated to helping people live happier and healthier lives. In this podcast series, we'll talk with the healthcare leaders, the executives, and the engineers who are working every day to develop new technologies to help people live their best lives. I know you'll enjoy this episode of the Abbott Talks podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salami of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Abbott Talks podcast. This is a very cool episode. I think they're all cool, but this is particularly cool. I spoke with Ryan Lake, and he's the Divisional Vice President of Digital Solutions of Metal Devices at Abbott. And we talked a lot about how Abbott is really incorporating digital technology into its devices to help treat the patients beyond their, their treatment, to really engage with patients to bring them into their recovery process. And it's a unique time for metal devices because technology has just become so ingrained in our lives. I'm holding my iPhone all the time. I'm sure you are as well. Yes, I'm probably checking LinkedIn to see if I got, uh, I don't know, some some thumbs up on something I posted about one of our conferences, but other people might be checking their uh, their, their their glucose levels or, or other measurements that that really help them lead happy, productive lives. So we are on the cusp of, cusp of something great in medical devices and Ryan Lake, and it brings a great perspective on that uh, that movement. So really, really cool conversation with Ryan Lake, and I know you will enjoy it. Before we roll this podcast out, I wanted to invite Abbott employees to come to Device Talks West. It's happening October 18th and 19th at the Santa Clara Convention Center, right down the street from Abbott's headquarters there. We'll have a number of Abbott leaders on stage at Device Talks West, starting with Julie Tyler, the head of Abbott Vascular. I'll be sitting down with her for a conversation that will eventually become an Abbott Talks podcast, but we'll have conversations centered around diabetes, about the MitraClip, about pediatric uh, devices. It's going to be a, a great two days of conversation. In addition to Abbott, we'll have many other companies there as well. I'm grateful to uh, Abbott's support of the podcast and of our conferences. So if you're an Abbott employee, reach out to me via LinkedIn, or you can reach me via email, tsalemi at WTWH Media, and uh, I'll send you the code uh, that we've created for Abbott employees. It'll get you right in. We'd love to see Abbott folks in the audience. We'll have plenty of Abbott folks on stage, along with many other companies represented. Please use the code DTW25, and that'll save you 25% off the price of admission. Just go to devicetalks.com to register. You can check out the agenda, the speaker list, everything else. Go to devicetalks.com, use those codes I mentioned, and uh, we'll see you at Device Talks West on October 18th and 19th, again, at the Santa Clara Convention Center. But before we begin our interview, I'd like to bring in our sponsor, Global Med MDI. I'm speaking with Greg Tobin, Greg is CEO of Global Med MDI. Greg, thanks for joining us. Tell us about Global Med MDI. So thanks, Tom. It's always good to be here with you. Global Med MDI engineers smart manufacturing solutions to help our life science customers solve tough challenges. We offer decades of deep manufacturing expertise and a global network of manufacturing facilities across North America and China. 
We partner with our customers to build and deliver highly engineered components and finished devices that are molded, extruded, and assembled. Our goal is to help our customers move their product from idea to market success with both speed and sustainable results. Our number one priority is quality. Everyone at our company works on a daily basis to ensure quality is delivered. And just to follow up, Greg, you mentioned quality. How do you define quality at Global Med MDI? So a quality experience includes the highest product quality, but but it also includes on-time delivery, meeting the commitments that we make to our customers. Because of the focus on quality, I'm proud to say that we're a trusted manufacturing partner to many of the leading life science companies around the world. And I also think it's important to know that we're investing for growth. As our customers grow and innovate, we've, we have to grow and innovate. And so we're continuously investing in new technologies and capabilities to meet their demands. Well, that's a great start to this conversation. We'll have Greg Tobin back a little later in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Global Med MDI right now, go to its website, moldeddevices.com. That's M-O-L-D-E-D devices.com. Well, Ryan Lakin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here today. I'm excited to learn about your efforts at Digital Solutions at Abbott. You've done a lot of great work. I know Abbott's been leading the field in this. You know, you've been present at conferences like CES and things like that. So you're definitely at one of the companies, I think, that's really adopting digital health and, and finding new ways to incorporate it into your devices. But as always, before we get into the discussion of industry and technology, I'd like to learn about people. So Ryan, how'd you find your way into the medical device industry? Yeah, so it's uh, I've been in I've been in med device going actually more than twenty five years at this point. I I went to grad school long time ago uh, and <laughs> finished in biomedical engineering, and then spent a couple years doing clinical research in pediatric orthopedics, which was fascinating. But I saw that at Shriners, right? At Shriners, yeah, it's a really that's an amazing, amazing organization. organization. Yeah, tremendous organization, and really, as a young person, you really appreciate health. And it was, I think, really helped shape me as I kind of moved beyond and really be passionate for helping people. I knew I wanted to be in device side. So I moved into industry. I went to uh, into orthopedics and really did a lot in orthopedics, implant side, hip implants, spine and trauma and all kinds of stuff, surgical navigation for about 10 years. And then moved over to um, into the medication delivery side of things. Did that at, in, for about eight years. You're at Biomet. I assume that was the ortho, yep. and then and then, yep. then BD. But before that, just take me way back. Introduce me to young Ryan Lake, and what was it that uh, my son is is going into engineering? I mentioned I dropped him off at school. I've probably mentioned it a thousand times in the podcast. He wants aerospace. Everyone wants aerospace yeah. nowadays. What 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 made you want to do biomedical? Yeah, so I it's a little bit of an interest. So I I started undergrad in in uh, civil engineering. I thought oh, designing bridges was going to be the coolest. <laughs> thing and after I found myself surveying the college campus as a as a freshman civil engineering major, I realized this is definitely not my calling. <laughs> so, and so I really started to assess. I came from a family where there's a lot of people in healthcare. Do I want to be a physician someday, or or do I want to do the engineering side? Or so I shifted to bioengineering in undergrad and got my hands on doing a lot of research, uh, neuroanatomy research, some orthopedic research. And continue to just create a love for it. Someone came also from industry and gave a talk at, at undergrad 
and really kind of exposed us to what they did as engineers and started to realize that I could get the best of both worlds. I can, I can work hand in hand with physicians, but also do the great work of engineering and do it from outside of the physician seat. And when I realized that, that became my calling. I also came from a family where I had a parent who had a chronic health condition since the age of 10, since I was 10 Okay. with my mom for years, watching her try to manage her chronic condition. And that really also made me realize that my calling was to help people at scale, help people at scale. And I think that's what's driven me to be in healthcare. It's driven me to have a love for what I do and love working at in industry at this point, because I think we have the ability to help so many people around the world. Did you find you were able to help your mom a bit too? I know uh, even covering medical device, yeah. I used to go with my parents to the doctor's appointments and they'd be looking at me sideways like, how'd you know to ask that? How'd you know what that was? Yeah. Um, Not nearly as much as I wish I could, Yeah, I think. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot around chronic health conditions. And I think that's, if you see where I am now, and for the last probably 10 years, I've really lived in the world of chronic health conditions. Because I think the reality is chronic health conditions is more than just a, a physical symptom of if you're in neuromodulation pain, or if you're in diabetes care, blood glucose, or if you're a cardiovascular patient, it's much, there's so many other elements around the psychology of it, depression, like there's weight, obesity, like there's all these other things that make managing yourself with chronic conditions really challenging. And I think, you know, when you try to solve that with one thing, you're likely to be unsuccessful. And I think that's really what I learned growing up was, yeah, there's this one thing, but there's one thing also, there's so many other tentacles that kind of came from it that really provided insight into it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to do on your own too. Yeah. I think that's that's the part that I learned the most. And so that's really been the drive for me in med device is, you know, trying to do everything I can to help help people at scale. So when I went from from biomet to, to BD in medication delivery, that was everything was about scale, reaching people in every corner of the earth. And I think that was to help them receive the ability to deliver life-saving medications and and that kind of thing. So that was really important. And then I moved into diabetes while I was there. And that really got the bug of, uh, of being in chronic diseases again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came from diabetes over to BD's diabetes business over to Abbott. And coming to Abbott for me was like the culmination of a lot of things I had done during my career. I'd done software development. I'd done wearable devices. I've done implants. I've worked directly with physicians. I've worked on global scale. And I think coming to Abbott, and at that time was soon after Abbott had acquired St. Jude. And so I was really trying to redefine their medical device business. And I had the opportunity to build the the R&D organization and the pipeline for the neuromodulation business. And that was in a space that where digital was obviously extremely important. Another chronic disease place where you're dealing with patients with chronic pain or movement disorders like Parkinson's disease, essential tremor. And these people have more problems than just a movement than just unstable hands or the physical pain. And so I was able to take all that learning over my career and with very cool, complex technologies, implantable technologies, and make a difference. And did that for about four years. 
Uh, and then just a year ago, was asked to move into a new role at Abbott to lead what we're referring to as digital solutions across our medical device business. Hmm. How different is the universes within MedTech? It is interesting that you started off at Biomet. Hip and knee, I think you kind of see that as a single point of interaction for a medical device. You go and you put the new implant in, you solve that problem, they, that patient goes on, hopefully, and, and goes on with their lives, versus the chronic care that you're talking about, where you're really intimately involved in, in the patient's life every day. They're using your device every day. They're using it to not only stay alive and healthy, but to be able to get up in the morning, to be able to go to work in the morning, to be able to pick up their child or, or drive a car. Do they feel like different industries within an industry, chronic care versus maybe something that's not, or are they just simply different shades of the same color? There is some pretty significant differences, and I think you touched on some of them. I did, yeah. This idea that living with a device is much different in a chronic disease than it is in an acute procedure. You know, when I look at, I mean, knee replacement or osteoarthritis, right, you're solving one very specific problem. If they did it at the right time, they didn't develop a bunch of other problems. And so that's, that's kind of resolved. But when you're treating the symptoms like pain, right, you're not getting rid of pain altogether, you're right. changing the perception of pain. And so the difference is, is that none of us want to feel like a patient every day they wake up. Mm -hmm. and, and when you look at what we're trying to do at Abbott, we're really trying to help people get treatment they need, but not feel like a patient every day that they wake up. And there's many examples kind of across, across our medical device business where we've truly tried to do that. In the neuromodulation business, it started with adding low energy Bluetooth, so BLE to our devices, which allowed for much more seamless communication with handhelds outside the body. And then we moved to an iOS platform. And when we moved to an iOS platform, Someone who needed to make adjustments to their therapy were doing it on an iPod touch right. on a clunky controller. And, and it seems simple, but people who are out to dinner with family or friends or need to make it, you know, need to make a minor adjustment feel way more comfortable pulling out something that look is a consumer technology solution than something that everybody, we know what we mean when we look at something goes, that's a med device, right? It's just, monkey controller. And it's really helped people not have to think about, hey, I, I really have a medical device. I'm not a patient. And then we moved from there to being able to do that on people's own personal phones. So we created the BYOD solution, which was the first to do that. And so now people don't have to carry two, they literally just carry if they're on an iPhone, they carry their iPhone, they can have the app on their iPhone that connects securely and directly to their implant and make adjustments on their iPhone. Very different experience. And you can see that in diabetes care, you know, with Libre and kind of what Libre has done by getting rid of finger sticks and the ability to move to continuous glucose monitoring and, and simplify the management to, hey, it's a number. It's, it's, I don't, I mean, I remember the days when people pull out their blood glucose kits, right? And it's a little black kit and they have, they have to prick their finger and take a, you know, and I remember that because that's also my mom had diabetes at the time. It's one of the things she had. So I, tr I remember the aspect of that. And so you can see how things have evolved to really allowing people and kind of what we're doing at Abbott to really try to reduce the burden of managing chronic diseases. 
And I think that's the journey we're on. And that's, it's a fun journey because you have the ability to really change people's lives broadly. And it does a lot of good things for the healthcare system. I will take a quick break from this conversation and bring back our sponsor, Global Med MDI. Once again, very happy to have Greg Tobin. He is the CEO of Global Med MDI with us on the podcast. Greg, tell us what capabilities and services does Global Med MDI offer med tech companies? As you know, Tom, we acquired Global Med last year, which added additional extrusion, assembly, and automation capabilities to our global portfolio. The acquisition also expanded our global manufacturing footprint. You might be surprised to know that both companies have a combined 70 years of experience across a broad portfolio of engineering and manufacturing services. We're continuing to build an integrated company to provide our customers with a more integrated, collaborative approach to complex manufacturing. With molding, I like to say there's nearly nothing we can't do whether that's injection molding, dip molding, or blow molding. And we also design and build quick turn tooling. The skill and expertise that you'll find in our tool shop is very impressive. We also manufacture millions of feet of extruded medical tubing annually, which is a growth area for us. And we support coatings end to end from application to automation and equipment manufacturing. Finally, we provide device assembly in a range of geographies in environments ranging from white rooms to class seven and eight clean rooms. Like most things, quality work begins and ends with the people. You're only as good as your talent and engineering expertise is at the core of everything we do. It's really the heartbeat of the company. Wow, that's a lot. Great. Can you highlight a few of those services for us? Absolutely, Tom. I would like to highlight two areas of specialization, coatings and precision gears. Our coatings group is a leader in the space and has led over 500 automation and equipment projects in the last decade. They have deep expertise across a range of coatings from drug eluding to hydrophilic to lubricious and more. The range of applications is broad from stents and other implants to complex catheters, to wearable devices and beyond. With precision gears, it takes a special level of know-how to produce products that can meet the demanding requirements gears are subjected to. In fact, other molders often come to us for support with their gears. As you know, gears are a critical part of so many applications from wearable devices to analyzers and other diagnostic devices. In any area we work, our goal is to make it easy for our customers to focus on the clinical efficacy of their device while we focus on manufacturing their competitive edge. Fantastic. And finally, I'm hearing a lot of buzz uh, that there might be some big things on the horizon for Global Med MDI. Can you uh, share any details? Well, most definitely, Tom. And, and there are some very exciting things happening. And while I can't give it all away, I can tell you that we are fully committed to building a world-class company, a brand, and an exciting culture. Our new name brings together the aptitude and excellence of our legacy companies and our amazing team. Everyone has been working hard across the entire network to make it happen, and we're looking forward to introducing our new brand. 
Well, that's exciting. New brand, new name. When uh, might we hear the update, the final word? In October. So stay tuned. All right. Well, we can't wait for those details, Greg Tobin of Global Med MDI. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. And thanks, of course, for sponsoring. If you'd like to find out more about Global Med MDI and reach out to them, go to their website, moldeddevices.com. Oh, that's a great point. That's a, a great distinction too. And, and and you're right. I mean, chronic diseases really, they don't stop and end at the disease. They impact every part of life. Are we going to the movies? Are we going to the party? Are we, can I go to a college over here or college closer to home? Everything comes into play. And the point about the iPhone is a great one too, because I mean, we're all picking up our phone all the time and someone could be measuring their glucose and it looks like they're checking their LinkedIn post or whatever. I mean, it's just, we're, it's just part of our everyday life now. And you're right. People don't want to feel they don't want to feel like a patient. That's a great, I never really heard of like that before. They don't want to feel like a patient. No one does. They just kind of want to feel like they're dealing with their, with their lives, just like everyone else does. So interesting perspective. And, and I hadn't really, again, thought as to how many doors the iPhone opened. I mean, clearly we've talked about the iPhone opening up doors to healthcare, but it was always more, what is Apple going to do? But really yeah. it's changed the, the social parameters of how someone can engage with their medical device. Great stuff. We could talk a bit more about neuromodulation, but if you want to go into what you're doing now with your new position, well, relatively new position as Divisional Vice President of Digital Solutions at Abbott, tell me what Digital Solutions is, what kind of effort is it, and how many companies or businesses within Abbott does it touch? Yeah, so maybe give a quick overview for our med. So our med device business is, is really made up of what is now eight businesses. It's a combination across cardiovascular care, diabetes, neuromodulation, and now wellness as well. And so in cardiovascular, so we have five cardiovascular businesses that really cover cardiac rhythm management, electrophysiology, structural heart, heart failure, and vascular disease. Really a super broad portfolio. Each of these businesses run run independently. Then we obviously have our neuromodulation business, which I touched on, which manages, really helps treat people with chronic pain and movement disorders. We obviously then have our diabetes care business, which focuses on blood glucose management for the most part through, you know, our market leading Freestyle Libre platform. And then most recently, if you go back to CES, I think it was 2022, when Robert talked about lingo, right? This idea of getting into wellness and consumer technology, leveraging the platform of Libre you know, now we have lingo, which, which we've said is, you know, now commercially available in the UK. And so those are kind of how we operate as businesses. Now, I think at the same time, you know, when you think about what is digital solutions, each of these businesses, you know, focuses relentlessly on innovation and driving value within kind of their specific areas. But at the same time, we know that there's, there's benefits to kind of working across the continuum of care, especially when you're talking about chronic diseases. It always comes back to this kind of, you know, many cardiovascular diseases, for the most part, a chronic disease. You know, there may be obesity. There's people have structural problems. They maybe have electrical problems in their heart. They may have plumbing problems in their system. And so there's, and then they also, many of them, have comorbidities of diabetes or diabetes have comorbidities of cardiovascular disease. And so there's a lot of crossover between our businesses. And I think the benefit of a 
And so you say, okay, well, how do you start to paint a more holistic view of, of what happens? And I think we all feel that the power of digital health and digital solutions is one of the unique ways to kind of tie together our world. And that's kind of the job that I have is it's fun to try to figure out, you know, what do our customers need? It's very much a customer focused outside in role where we really try to understand what are the challenges we're seeing within hospital systems? What are the challenges we're seeing in healthcare with the physicians, with patients to try to solve some of those challenges that may be beyond kind of what I refer to as kind of beyond the device? How do we add value beyond the device? And that's really kind of what I've been focused on over the last year is, is really trying to, to figure out how, how Abbott can position itself best to be a, a huge partner to the healthcare system and, and help patients at the end of the day. I want to delve a little more into lingo and, and Robert Ford's keynote at uh, Consumer Electronics Show. And you're right, it was 2022, yeah, January 6, 2022. But I'm curious as to how does your group interact with these different businesses? And by that, I mean, do the different businesses say, we really need to find a tool that allows us to do this, to accomplish this goal, to share this data, to collect this data, to to give this control to a patient, and then they come to you and you sort of help solve their problem? Or is it reverse where you're sort of out there exploring new technologies and approaches and then finding ways to apply them to the different businesses? I think it tends to be more the latter. I think there tends to be more large-scale challenges that exist that any individual business may not be the best position to try to solve. Okay. But when you look at trying to solve it across a patient pathway or across a, a service, a cardiovascular service line, or it becomes very evident of what value you potentially can apply to hospitals. So let's just, just take a, an example. An example would be that we have a lot of connected products today. Right. If you look across our portfolio, we have connected products in neuromodulation. We have connected products in our cardiac rhythm management, in heart failure, in diabetes care. And then we have capital equipment that connects into IT systems from EP and from vascular. And, you know, there's probably ways that we can better partner with hospitals to make that more seamless for them, to make the data more usable for them. And I think when you look at a little bit different view is when I when you look at what digital health, what digital has done in healthcare, I think there's there's a pro and there's a con. I think the pro is that COVID definitely brought to life and accelerated and increased the value of what digital tools could do in healthcare. It brought in a lot of investment. Right? If you look at private equity investments, there's a lot of money that went into digital health. That created somewhat of a proliferation of solutions, which in some ways made the world more complex as opposed to simplifying it. Right? More data. More data isn't always good. Better, more insights and less data is what I think people really want. I think we're at this very interesting kind of point in the development of digital health where I think hospitals are highly constrained by resources. Every hospital system, every CIO, you know, administrators are thinking about their workforce. 
So when you're bringing more digital tools that just creates more data and you make the healthcare worker become what I refer to as the integrator, I think it creates it creates additional burden as opposed to reducing burden. And so as Abbott, I think that we are very focused on how do we how do we better integrate into the workflow of healthcare workers so that we can ultimately reduce the burden that they're seeing from all these data generating devices. I think the one thing is that number of devices generating data. And the other thing is the amount of data that's coming off of those devices. You can go to the old days, old days, you know, quotations five years ago, when some things were, you know, a data point a day. And then you can move to now where it's a data point a minute. That's a lot more data. That doesn't mean that people want to see more data. And that's where when you look at something like Libre, that boils all that down to a number or a trend that really takes a very complex problem and simplifies it both for the patient and for the healthcare worker. And I think that's where digital health and digital solutions, the group I lead, I think is really going to play a role is in the simplification in the uptake and utilization of insights more so than just data proliferation, which I think is, is not a good thing for our system. Does your interaction on the customer side, is it more with the providers in the hospitals or are the patients playing an increasing role? Because you mentioned COVID and I mean, another interesting development is just the COVID test. I mean, we're now all diagnosing ourselves. We're then reading guidelines and we're basically saying, okay, we can't do this for five days. We have to wear a mask for 10. All this stuff would have been calling your doctor and letting them figure it out before, but we're definitely taking, having to take a more active role in our, in our health. Are the patients playing a larger role in they what are. you do? Yeah, they are. I mean, I think we still, as a, as a device company, we still tend to go through the provider to the patient. But by providing the provider and the patients more tools, digital tools, I think it is it's empowering them. And I think if you if you think about what Abbott's doing as human powered health, I think we want to empower patients. Patients want to be empowered, appropriately empowered, right? Not everybody's the same. They kinds of need to be adjusted, but you can look at different solutions that we brought to market and, and how much more engaged they are. If it's in, I'll take a neuromodulation example. We came to market with a product called MyPath, a software application that connects the physician with the patient and allows the patient to track their progress during the trial period, which is before they get a permanent implant. and that engagement has allowed them to start to observe and see how how effective was the therapy during that trial period. It also helps their caregiver. So it's not just about the patient, but now the caregivers get more involved because when they go back to see their doctor, historically, they would say, you know, how do you feel? Do you have more than 50% pain relief as an example? And it's very qualitative as opposed to now they have evidence that comes with them. It says, yeah, but you, you were walking more, you slept better, your pain score, here's, here's standardized assessments that you took. And so it's a much more engaging process. And it also off, it offloads appropriately the physician to feel like the patients are doing their part. And I think they do want to do their part. They want to know how they're doing, especially the younger generations don't have patience to wait weeks to see a doctor they want to they want to know how they're doing and take more control and i think that is and through a positive experience and so we are seeing a much i'd say greater uptake of of the desire for patients to be informed to be 
to be educated, to take appropriate steps. You know, for some patients, it may be they adjust themselves. For other patients, it means it tells them I need to call my physician and get an appointment because I maybe don't want to manage myself, but I know I need to do something about it. And I think that is powerful. And I think the other part is physicians are seeing the power of connecting with patients in a different way. Let's just take, take an example on our, our cardiac rhythm management business. We recently got the assert IQ, the implantable cardiac monitor approved. And so has Bluetooth communication, has the ability for um, physicians to remotely change settings in that ice in that implantable cardiac monitor without the patient having to come back and adjust the settings in their implantable cardiac monitor. That's way more convenient for physicians. It's definitely more convenient for patients, but it still gets the right information to the physician at a time when physicians are burdened. You know, creating digital tools that gives them flexibility. So we've heard stories on Neurosphere Virtual Clinic, which is where Physicians can remotely program patients with neurostimulation devices for chronic pain and Parkinson's disease. It gives them the flexibility on maybe where they can make those appointments from, right? So it's not just always about, it's a lot about the convenience for the patient, but physicians, healthcare workers are also looking for more convenience in their lifestyle when you think about burnout and all these other things you're seeing on the healthcare worker side. So there's there's very interesting where I think early on it was all about the patient, which it obviously still is, but we're seeing secondary material benefits at the physician level, which I think is really important to, to keep people in the profession and bringing more people into the profession. One aspect I rarely talk about on these podcasts are the payers, the, the insurance companies. They were obviously willing to pay for more digital connection during COVID, step back from some of it, I think. But is there still a, a willingness from that community that uh, or an openness to the idea that that's giving you energy and that's allowing you to to find new solutions? Yeah, I mean, we we recently got notification on continuation of reimbursement for virtual clinic, which is positive. I think the other part is that we have to do our part and generate evidence. Yeah, for, for the value it creates, and I think that is we're we are investing in that. We know that we firmly believe that digital solutions will play a role long term but we know that people want evidence you know inherently it makes sense but it's doing it and developing the evidence to support that to to enable payers to feel confident that they will put in permanent reimbursement for certain things i think is 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 really important and so we've seen a continuation of that which is positive as we in parallel develop evidence to support it um, i think that's one of the challenges though and it's one of those that it's going to take some time, but I think it's it's going to be worth it because I think the demand and the expectation and just the environment for us really trying to increase the care. We know that this is a key part of increasing access to care is empowering patients and, and helping everyone realize that ultimately it's going to hopefully produce better quality of care. That's a great point. How big of an effort is that? data collection i mean it sounds simple like oh you're just tracking everything that's going on and then giving the data to i mean it's not that it's so much more is it adding like another 50 percent of work into anything you do because you have to quantify and track everything you do or is it simply kind of an add-on that doesn't really make the process more complicated 
it makes it more complicated because it's it becomes formal research, pro prospective research as opposed to real world evidence right. research. And so we're trying to do it proactively. I think proactive research costs more. I think this idea of decentralized trials and some of that, I think long term is going to be really important. But when these new technologies are coming to market that haven't been used before, I think it's it's a pretty good lift. It's a different lift than getting, say, doing randomized clinical trials to gain approvals. Gaining reimbursement is a is tends to be, you know, different different endpoints demonstrate to payers that that this is this creates value for patients and it's worth paying for. Excellent. Final question. I just want to, or area of conversation. I do want to follow up on, on lingo. So it's a new category of consumer biowearables was announced there. Talk, talk a bit, bit about lingo and any other tech you might want to highlight in these last few minutes of the, of the podcast, but how is that helping Abbott do what it needs to do in, in this department? Well, I think people want to get healthy and stay healthy. I think yeah. that you just start with, you know, a lot of what we do is treat sick people, which is really important. But I think if we can also help people get healthy and stay healthy, I think that's that's important. We have amazing technology platforms at Abbott. And I think the opportunity for Lingo is to leverage one of those technology platforms initially in glucose and help people manage themselves in a more in a more consumer friendly way, as opposed to a you know traditional med device way. So these are non-diabetics, right? They're managing their health. They're trying to to maybe get healthier, trying to maybe lose some weight and and eat better, understand what how I respond to different foods. And I think most people haven't done that historically. And I think to actually understand your own body and how it how it takes care of itself and how it reacts to different things is quite insightful. I can speak you know, on a personal note, like I, I thought I was, I was eating well, you know, and I'm wearing a sensor and the next thing, you know, that really spiked my glucose. That's mm. fascinating. What was that that I ate? And you go back and you're like, that's not what I would have expected. Interesting. Um, and from then on, I said, we're not going to buy that anymore and put it in our house. Like we're going to buy an alternative that, that doesn't have as much carbs or whatever. And I think that's, it's just a, it's an example of how once you understand how your body reacts, I think it allows you to live healthier and to at least make decisions, informed decisions, where I think a lot of times people don't necessarily make informed decisions. And so that's, so lingo, you know, is, is a way to help people understand how their body reacts to different, different things and help them manage themselves a little bit better. And it's exciting, I think. And it also gets us into a space that's not necessarily only med device. And I think that's, you know, when you think about how as a company, we evolve ourselves to compete long-term in us in kind of a sustainable way. You know, we talk a lot about our designing for access and affordability, kind of moving off lingo. We design, we're thinking about designing for access and affordability and ultimately wanting to touch you know, a billion more people than we touched in 2030 than we touched in 2020. Now that's, that's massive. That's like one every three people on earth per year get touched by Abbott product, get touched by Abbott in one way, shape or form. And, and to do that, we know that 
we need to operate not just in people who get procedures, but we need to help them along the way. And, and being able to do that effectively, especially understand the complexity of the healthcare system, like we do at Abbott, I think we can truly, we can, we can really work towards and achieve that goal. Lingo is an example of that. I think my role in digital solutions is another example of how do we start to connect to patients maybe before and not necessarily only at and after they have a treatment from, from one of our technologies. And I think if we can help people manage through the healthcare system and simplify their pathway and, and reduce the burden on healthcare workers, I think we can we can make a big difference and continue to make a big difference in healthcare long-term. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I mean, the, the I know there are other glucose monitoring companies out there that are looking at developing devices that would be used by those who don't have diabetes, who just, to your point, want to want to track how their body reacts to their everyday life. And I would, I would love that sort of access to that kind of data because I'm in my 50s and I'm trying to figure stuff out. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'd love, I'd love some, other than just kind of remembering when I had the beard, when I had the ice cream, it'd be great to have some data. So last question, you kind of referenced it, but how different does Abbott look five or 10 years from now as a result? Are we going to see less med and more tech? And it's, and you're just a, a consumer, at least part of your business is getting to people before their patients and helping them avoid those diseases. I think it, I mean, for us, for me personally, my point of view is it, it starts with our differentiated technologies. I mean, it, we earn our right to play based on our, our unbelievable technologies that all of our businesses deliver. I mean, if it's MitraClip or our CGM device or a left ventricular device, assist device to keep people with heart failure alive to our dual chamber of their uh, leadless pacemaker system. I mean, we, we earn our right to play on unbelievable technology that really make an impact on people and help them live healthier. That's our core. That's our right to play. And that that's our right to play with healthcare systems too, because they understand, they know that we understand complex, challenging problems, and they can rely on us to help solve that. But at the same time, I think that we need to expand from that core to make sure the patients with our devices are able to manage really well with low burden to the patient and to the healthcare system. And then earlier on, I think there's clearly from when you look at our Libre device, Libre platform being used in type twos, reimbursement decisions in type twos, the France reimbursement decision, and then our move with Lingo, it's clear that earlier continuum of care is, is important. And I think in med device, in cardiovascular disease, in diabetes, in chronic pain, our areas of expertise, I think we will be much more active and engaged, I, I believe, during the continuum of care as opposed to only at the point of intervention and beyond. To me, that's exciting. Like, yeah. that's, that's why I'm, as I started the conversation, you know, I'm here. I'm here to make impact at scale, and uh, that's that's what we intend to do with Abbott. That's great. I was going to bring it back to that exact same point. Hopefully, putting people in a position where they can avoid having to manage those chronic diseases. So, Ryan, this has been a, a really great conversation. Thank you for uh, for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Abbott Talks podcast. 
Thank you, Global Med MDI, for sponsoring this episode. For more information about Global Med MDI, go to its website, molddevices.com. Once again, we'd love to see you at Device Talks West. It's happening on October 18th and 19th at the Santa Clara Convention Center. If you're an Abbott employee, reach out to me. I'll let you know how you can attend easily. Everyone else, please use the code DTW25 to save 25% off the price of admission. We'd love to see you there. Go to devicetalks.com. Make sure you share this episode of Abbott Talks on your social media channels. And when you do, link to me, Tom Salemi, link to Device Talks, link, of course, to Abbott. And uh, please uh, spread the word. We'd love to have more people as part of the Abbott Talks podcast. You can also subscribe to the Device Talks podcast network so you don't miss a future episode of Abbott Talks or our other great podcasts. Once again, I hope we see you at Device Talks West. Go to devicetalks.com for more information. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.